0: You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends,
1: a Q1 Network
0: production.
1: Gosh, you know, I started this podcast in January of 2021, and from the beginning. My goal has always been to find people that I call needle movers, people that are making really significant contributions and moving the needle, making good positive change for their community and and beyond. And I've had the great pleasure of meeting fascinating people that are doing really wonderful things. And I came upon Anita when I was doing what I do too much of surfing the web, the internet to try to educate my myself on something. In this case, it was cryptocurrencies and that's primarily because of what's happening in the state of North Dakota uh, in large part because of governor Doug Burgum's uh, goal to be carbon neutral by 2030. And to that end, we've attracted international attention from companies, individuals that are in the gas to liquid space and then cryptocurrency mining centers. Some of people call them farms too. And I, I came across this fascinating book, Learn Bitcoin, because at the time I knew nothing about Bitcoin. I really knew nothing about cryptocurrency. So I picked up this book by Anita Posh, Learn Bitcoin, Become Financially Sovereign. And then I reached out to a person I have no personal relationship with. I said, would you come on my podcast? And Anita Posh said, yeah. So today, I'm so thrilled and lucky to have, I think, from Vienna, Austria, the author of that book. She's a Bitcoin advocate. She is a person that is making a wants to make a difference for so many people across our planet. She's an advocate for so many. She's a servant leader. Anita Posch, welcome to Mike Seminary and friends. It's great to see you. How are you?
0: Thank you very much for this kind introduction, Mike. And thanks for the invitation. It's great to see you, too. I'm good. Yes. At the moment, uh, I mean, I, I lived uh, most of the of my life in Vienna, in Austria. Uh, But recently I started being a digital nomad. So I'm only here because I had COVID and uh, traveling with COVID is not so nice. So I I thought I stay here for a while. And in August, mid of August, I'm taking my suitcase and traveling again.
1: And when you say traveling again, I'm going to come back to your COVID in a moment. I suspect it will be to some of the places that because of my now following you, not stalking, following you to <laughs> to, to learn more about you, maybe to El Salvador or Zimbabwe, one of those places where you're trying to make a difference. Would that would that be a correct statement?
0: That's absolutely correct. So I'm not traveling for holidays, or, or if I that I want to do these journeys just for you know um, uh, for fun. Um, I'm basically following a. a strategy (laughs) in a way or let's call it a mission although that's too religious for me but it's in a way a mission to bring uh, bitcoin education to the world especially to emerging countries and countries um, that are like dictatorships or have authoritarian rulers where bitcoin really can make a difference for people and so my nomading has to do with my um, tour where I meet people and try to foster, like share my knowledge about Bitcoin and foster grassroots adoption of Bitcoin. Yes.
1: Mm. And thank you for doing that. Your, your COVID symptoms—you look fine. You sound great. Are you? Are they fairly mild?
0: I'm I'm good again. That's oh. some weeks ago. So it took took me three weeks to get healthy again, and I'm lucky that I I don't have anything. There's nothing left. And uh, But it was like one, or one and a half weeks I was really in bed and I didn't have something like that for many, many years. Mm. I
1: had that as well. I, uh, unlike many people, it was almost a non-event for me. I was lucky. So mm. uh, I'm glad you're past that and you're getting ready to travel. Let's start with the book. No, no, no. I, I want to start with your background, because I think your background helps tee us up for, I think, why you are so committed to uh, your mission and passion. And I know that you have an urban planning background. Tell us a little bit about your initial career interests, where that took you, and then how you got to the point where Bitcoin was it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically everything started a little bit like in 1984 I think where I got my first computer and learned a little bit of basic and I was so interested in it but you know back then you couldn't do anything with it. So um and then yes I I'm an urban planner by education and um but, because I always was interested in the well-being and um, prosperity of communities and people in general from 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 the bottom up. <clears throat> and in nineteen ninety seven when I finished my studies, the email and internet came along in Austria, and I got my first internet connection um, in my home and and i I was fascinated. By it, Like having the possibility to communicate basically for free for the whole world, I immediately knew this is something big. This is going to change the world. And I wanted to be a part of it. And that's why after three or four years, like working as an urban planner, I decided to drop everything and um, do an additional education as a back then it was called multimedia producer. And um, yeah, and from 2000 on, I started out as a self-employed web designer. And yeah, this this took me like um, 20, uh, 15 years. I did e-commerce, small business projects. Um, we had online platforms. For instance, one of our products was a online platform for shared co-working spaces, like Coworking working spaces where you can find a space to work in and for the co-working spaces, the, the, the companies to advertise their spaces. But that was at a time in 2006 where in Vienna we only had one co-working space. Um, so we were a little bit early and I think I'm always a little bit early. And um, I was always searching for something that has then like more... Uh, Gives more sense to my life and also gives me the opportunity to contribute to something bigger. Because in 2014, 15, 16, I was working for big e-commerce projects and companies. And um, I I felt it's not the right thing anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want um, people to buy more and more, consume more and more stuff that they actually don't really need. And so I was looking for something new. And in 2017, I heard a talk by Sherman Foschengier about Bitcoin and open blockchains and how they can positively impact uh, the world and and the prosperity of humankind, basically, uh, the social impact of it. And I was immediately drawn to it because, because of my computer background, because of my background in the online space um, and also, I think, yes, a little bit, this urban planning background, um, this idea of having a, 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 a more fair world in a way, you know, giving opportunities to everyone. And that's basically what Bitcoin is. And so I thought, wow, that's on the one hand something I can do alone, where I, I can do it self-employed in a one-woman business, um I can educate because I had the feeling that or I learned that that I can explain things very well, I was told. And and so that was basically the idea. And I started to investigate uh, and learn about Bitcoin myself. And back then um, there was much less educational um, um, material that you could get. But um, there was already uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, for instance. I recommend him to everyone because he was my big influence and he is still uh, one of the um, best educators in the space. And, um, yeah, from there, I, I took it from there. And I actually started very early with writing my first book in German, It was the predecessor of Learn Bitcoin. It was a a, a guide for for the general public um, about how to use Bitcoin. And because I think writing a book is the best way to learn something because the the result has to be correct. You know, you you can't have mistakes in that. So um, I, I combined research, learning and producing content for someone else and that was in in 2017, 2018. I started my my podcast where I interviewed, yeah, people like Adam Beck, Andreas Antonopoulos, Caitlin Long, um, many, many, many more. Uh, and um, that was for me to learn, and because because I thought the best way to learn these kinds of things is not from second or third or fourth hand, but from the people who built this technology. Mm -hmm. Um, um, They are the ones who can explain the best way their intentions and what their plans in a way or their vision is for Bitcoin. And I wanted to know that. And um, so I started the podcast. And from there, I did, I I, um, also uh, translated Andreas Antonopoulos' Books, The Internet of Money, Volume 1 and 2 to German. And some time later, I then decided, I think I want to um, work on the book again and republish it in an extended form because basically it was a practical guide, what I had written. And now the book is basically a practical guide but the first half of it is the general answering the general question of why Bitcoin is important, why we use it, or why we should use it in a way or could use it, uh, and and what the alternatives is that we have now. Um so it answers all the questions of why and in the second part the question of how to safely use bitcoin. Mm. Yeah, so and and yeah, that's that's basically it.
1: We're going to get to the book in a second. It, it mm. is a wonderful book and it's perfect for someone like me that really knows nothing about bitcoin or cryptocurrencies and it was very well planned in terms of how to inform and educate someone like me. But before we jump there, I want to go back to two things you said about urban planning, making it a a better or fairer place for everyone. For for folks that might not know this, I know exactly what Anita's talking about as a previous commissioner and a mayor and people, uh, a guy that was in, Involved in planning commissions, both on a county level and a city level, you get to interact with uh, people that uh, focus on planning for a living, and they're passionate and they have a vocation, and almost all of them, one of the common traits or personality gifts that they have is they understand that community is about us it isn't about what's best for the developer what's best for this industry what what's best for this group of people it's what's best for everyone so they can live the best life possible and if it weren't for urban planners that think that way that feel that way some of these incredible and this goes back you know to the beginning of time there have been gifted people that have been involved in planning you know 5 years ago if it weren't for people that are focused on that. Some of these beautiful places that we go when we travel and say, oh, how did they do that? Who thought of that? It was people that have a gift for urban planning, but a heart for all the people that are going to participate in that space. Is that a kind of a fair way to sum that up, Anita?
0: Yeah, very well said. And uh, I mean, as, as of everywhere, there are, do you say, that two black sheep, too, <laughs> who do it for their own good? But in general, yes, yes.
1: And then uh, before the book, the other thing I wanted to go back to—you mentioned Adam Bach, who I was not familiar with till I listened to your podcast the other day. And I should grab my notes. He's working on the future of the next internet or something. That's not the right way to say it. Where are my notes? Oh, I'm so embarrassed.
0: Adam Back Back, uh, was basically the inventor of hashcash, which is the mechanism that is being used uh, in Bitcoin mining, in the proof-of-work mining. So he's mentioned in the original white paper from Satoshi Nakamoto. So the the white paper of Bitcoin uh, quotes or cites um, Adam Back. And there is also the Tor browser you may be aware of. The Tor browser is basically a a very private browser that uh, protects our privacy if you use it. And he's also mentioned uh, for his work in that white paper. So um, he's a a cypherpunk. Um, He's my age, funnily enough, same year. And um, he invented a lot. Of, he's a cryptographer, basically. And now the CEO of a company called Blockstream, uh, which does a lot of work in the Bitcoin space.
1: Now, thank you for, for, for refreshing my memory, because during, during that conversation with him, it was the reference was building the infrastructure for the Internet of the future. That's what Blockstream is focused on, which is very, very exciting. So thank you for having him on. So, back back to the book, and I have it right here. It is just a wonderful book. You were driven to write this book so that those of us that don't know anything about blockchain, it could be an easy thing for us to do to read this book and decide if blockchain should be part of our part of our future, part of our daily activities. So, so thank you. But I want to go into something right away. Because, again, as a guy that has been involved in government, and particularly in the states where we do this, maybe more than almost anybody else. We like to control things, we like to <laughs> put regulations in, we like to put um, all sorts of roadblocks in the way, because we think it's best for people. And sometimes that is. Sometimes that isn't. So, uh, blockchain is an open block. Uh, Bitcoin is an open blockchain, accessible to all people. Is decentralized, transparent, uncensorable, and neutral, making it the revolutionary money. It, it is, and open to everyone, regardless of age, color, privilege, gender, or nation. So that's where I want to kind of take our conversation. Back in 20, I think it was 2019, as I had shared with you before we started recording, group of us had put together an emerging technology summit called Disrupt Well to in North Dakota, the capital city, Bismarck, bring people together to learn about this great place that we're going, the new world, because of the technologies that are so rapidly becoming available to us. And one of our keynotes was a person by the name of Heidi Stevens Metz. And she had at the time, a company called Imani blockchain. And she was focused on helping people in Africa that were not bankable. They had, they didn't have access to a bank accounts. Like, like we, all of us do furthermore, that if they had money, they were at great personal risk, even having it on, their, on, their, on their, their, their person. So when I started reading about what you're doing and then watching some of your podcasts and listening to others, I realized that's exactly what you're doing. There's 2 billion plus people on the world currently, and that number will only continue to grow that are in that same position that that Heidi talked about. How did you become involved? And that's where I want to help people with Bitcoin.
0: Because those are the people who need it the most. They need the properties of Bitcoin the most. Like we in Austria or in the US, we have quite well functioning banks. Um, we are wealthy enough, most of us. I mean, also in our societies, we have people who don't get a bank account or migrants uh, who can't take their money w- with them um, or, or people who have to flee war or whatever. Um, and, and for them, Bitcoin is the tool to have because imagine Bitcoin is like cash, but it's digital you can transport it everywhere globally basically with remembering 12 words in your head and this is something no other tool can offer and that's also the big difference uh, between a blockchain company like Heidi's for instance and bitcoin or all most of i say 90.9% of the other cryptocurrencies they all have Founders behind, they have a company behind, or a foundation, or something like that. So they can be controlled in a way. Uh, they can censor or or um, uh, not. Bitcoin is permissionless. Sorry, I'm, I'm searching for the right words. So you don't need to ask someone, and nobody can exclude you. So it's an inclusive financial system compared to the traditional financial system and banking system, which is excluding these billions of people. And also in the case of dictatorships or authoritarian rulers, 54% of the global population at the moment live in countries which don't have uh, a full democracy like we in Austria, for instance. And for them, It's very, very important to have a money like Bitcoin that can't be taken away from them by their government, that can't be censored. There's no account that can be closed or frozen or something like that. And also those dictators and leaders cannot change Bitcoin for for their own good. As an example, in Zimbabwe, for instance, Uh, The dictatorship, the country, the government is basically, that's all a kleptocracy. They have been stealing from the people for 40 years now. And um, we are in a new inflationary high phase. You know, Zimbabwe is the country with 500 percent inflation in May. Uh, Only Mm -hmm. imagine that. And the money, where does the money go? So they print all this fr- fresh money and take out US dollars and, and money and um, to 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 uh, grow their own wealth. And uh, that's not possible with Bitcoin. I had, for instance, I also had a a, a human rights activist on my show, Meron Estefanos, Estefanos, and she said to me, you know, with Bitcoin we can basically. Um, try out the the money flows of our dictators, because uh, if we use Bitcoin, we are not using their system anymore and they can't get our money. So um, that's why Bitcoin is so important and why I'm also focusing only on Bitcoin, because it's the only cryptocurrency where you don't have any kind of leader. And um, the the possibility to change something in the code of Bitcoin. um, Everybody who's using Bitcoin is part of this network and everybody has the chance to decide which kind of software they want to use. So if somebody proposes a change and you don't like that change, you don't have to follow that change. So um, there's no hierarchy In that sense, nobody can, like from top down, say what happens with Bitcoin. It's a very, I don't know if democratic is the right word for it, uh, but it's really, it's common, it's a common good.
1: Hmm. Let, Let me see if I understand one part of this ecosystem correctly in terms of the mining of the Bitcoin and the mining of a competitive cryptocurrency. I don't know if that's the fairest way to say it, but I sus- I suspect they are competitive somehow. With the way you just explained it in terms of all the individual owners, they're for the most part, many of them are also individual miners of the Bitcoin. In some other cryptocurrency, they have centers or farms many of them where it's not an individual but it's a it's a, an actual data center that's mining the activity for that cryptocurrency so it, if i'm saying this wrong please stop me so in bitcoin you if if you look at a field and there's, there's i think there's 19 million possible bitcoin so let's say it's fully uh, active there's 19 million people out there mining it
0: no no no, no okay no, no that's that's um there will be 21 million bitcoin that's okay. the supply limit um at the moment there have been mined all we already mined like 19 million something maybe that's the number where you have the 19 million from okay so only 2 million or so are left to be mined in the future. And, and mining is the process where new Bitcoin are issued and, and getting into the network and being able to, to, to sell so be sold or bought by us, you know, to be used. And mining is also the process where uh, transactions are getting into the blockchain and are being secured in the blockchain. And Yes, in theory, it's possible to mine on your computer at home. That has been a thing that people did like 10 years ago. You could do that with your laptop at home. Today, it's not possible anymore because um, we have specialized, like special machines for it. They are called ASICs. These are devices, computers that are only there to uh, calculate um, the Bitcoin mining puzzle. Like uh, they, they are only working for Bitcoin in a way. So that could be like five of these devices um, at home, you know, for someone who wants to invest and has access to cheap access electricity, for instance, um, then that's possible. But it's the same in Bitcoin. You have uh, data centers with thousands of computers uh, running this hashing puzzle and solving um, that calculations to earn Bitcoin. Because um, the work they do, they are investing a lot of money in these machines and also in the electricity to mine, meaning to calculating um, the solution for the puzzle that is needed and the first miner, so the first computer, you can imagine it as a computer, that uh, solves that puzzle, and um, sends the correct solution, in a way, to the network, this computer earns um, the next Bitcoin in the next block. Uh, Basically, um, they earn that money as an incentive to stay true and honest to the network and not um, work against the network, in a way. So um, the difference between Bitcoin mining and some of the other uh, cryptocurrencies is that um, the the way that they mine has another uses another algorithm or another method you know there's proof of work that's in Bitcoin and there's proof of stake and the difference here is that in principle everyone can mine Bitcoin. Um, so and Bitcoin mining is decentralized, meaning it can't be influenced by anyone. Um, You can't cheat the system. You can't collude. You know, miners in Bitcoin cannot say, let's uh, stick together. We form a monopoly um, and then we decide what's going on. While in proof of stake, as as it's called you have a stake in the network. So the more money you have, you, you, the more stake of that you can buy and you can collude with others. And it's basically something like a voting uh, process. And there, things could be changed, which is not possible like in Bitcoin. And that's the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. But there, I think there are also many other mining uh, algorithms, uh, but to be honest, um, I'm not a cryptographer. I'm not so technical. I couldn't explain those. And um, as, I'm, as I said, there are, I don't know how, 8,000 cryptocurrencies at the moment. I mean, it's, it's a, a space. You can't know everything about all those other cryptocurrencies. And that's also why I focus on Bitcoin only. Mm-hmm.
1: F- thank you, Anita. So 19 million of the 21. 21 is the absolute maximum that will ever exist. So I'm a slow guy. Help me with this question. Tomorrow, Friday, the 21 millionth Bitcoin is purchased. So there's no more new coins.
0: No, no, it can't be purchased tomorrow because it's not there tomorrow. The the 21 million Bitcoin will be mined in the year 2140. So every 10 minutes, a new block, and that's why it's called blockchain, a new block is chained together with the previous blocks. So with a block, you can imagine a database block, it's it's a um, it's like there in in a block you have like two thousand transactions. So if I send you Bitcoin, it's called a Bitcoin transaction, and this transaction has to be um, written in the blockchain in one of those blocks. And every ten minutes, another block is mined, and every ten minutes, the miner of this block receives. 6.25 Bitcoin. That's in, in, at the moment the, mi- the so-called mining reward. And this mining reward is reduced into half or four years. So the last time it was in 2020. In 2020, um, 6, 12, it uh <laughs> before 2020, it was 12.5 Bitcoin per block. And in two years, it will be the half of 6.25, so 3.175. And so you get this uh, supply curve. Uh, The supply, the new supply that's uh, available to be bought and used is getting smaller over time. And in 2140, there will be no new Bitcoin there to be mined. Um, Mining will go on because it secures the, the, the Bitcoin blockchain, the whole network, you know, all the value that's in the network is secured by Bitcoin mining. Um, so, But just now until 2140, it's also a task of the miners um, that within those mining blocks, each 10 minutes, new Bitcoin are issued. And, and, and the thing is, that's the way how Bitcoin can work decentralized without the central authority issuing the money like we have with the nation state. Uh, So Satoshi Nakamoto solved the problem of the so-called double spending. You know, people for years, for, for decades, have tried to find something that's digital money that can be used on the internet. But nobody found it until 2008 because you always could Um, forge a file, you know, you could send it twice or three times or four times. Like imagine a PDF, you send a PDF somewhere, you say it's the original, but how can I trust you? You can send it to someone else, yeah, and nobody knows the difference. And that's what Satoshi Nakamoto solved with combining the ideas of the early cypherpunks and and, um, other forms of digital cash with the blockchain. And that was basically in the mining and proof of work mining. And that was the invention and discovery of Bitcoin so that you really have a money that can't be forged. Um, that can't be inflated, that can't be changed by anyone. And, and it's neutral as well, which in my point of view makes it the perfect candidate to be a global money, because no nation state can go to war because of Bitcoin, because at the moment we have all those currency wars, you know, Now, like the the euro, for instance, now it's on parity with the US dollar, which makes the US dollar more powerful again, and, um, and all these kinds of things. If we all were to use Bitcoin that no nation state, no politician, no dictator can control, then we would have... Just money for the
1: people. Mm. Well, now, speaking of people, when, when you travel to Zimbabwe or any wh- wh- wherever your travels take you, how do you reach out to provide the education that you want to deliver so people can learn the purpose of Bitcoin how it can benefit them and the steps they should take because maybe they don't have the book how, how do you do that?
0: So mostly first I'm I'm scouting and looking for connections I already have uh, connections people I can trust um, who then like give me the next contact and so on. And um, like Zimbabwe, for instance, I'm lucky to have a friend living in Zimbabwe. And that was basically my entry ticket to Zimbabwe, because it's not a country that you would really go to travel, you know, because it's not easy to travel there. And um, she had some contacts or made contacts with people there. And then I tweeted about it and a guy from Zambia connected with me and told me, hey, I've seen you're coming to Zimbabwe. I'm a Bitcoiner here. We are a few people. We would be honored if to have you and we would like to organize a talk with you and things like that. And so one leads to the next. And when I'm there and giving a talk, I'm always talking afterwards, also in person, of course, with the people and try to find out who are the people um, that get Bitcoin the most already. Um, and who are already bitcoiners in that sense that they understand um what the the advantages of bitcoin are compared to other cryptocurrencies and the big problem in these countries are scams. So there has been there have been so many scams that everybody almost knows about bitcoin, but people all believe it's a scam. And so it's so important to keep out all those people who just want to sell something. And that's why I stick to Bitcoin only because then you can you can throw out scammers, you know, immediately. You know, immediately that's a scam because as soon as somebody says you can double your profit in three months, then, yeah. And um, I try to find people who are... Um, also willing to to help spread the word on the ground because I think it's important that the people on the ground do that stuff, not me. I'm only coming to share my knowledge at first and try to help them or support them in setting up their own infrastructure. So um, sometimes I'm I'm bringing so-called hardware wallets um, uh, which they can use to store their Bitcoin or I bring a Bitcoin and Lightning node, which is a piece of technology which with which they can connect to the Bitcoin network and be a full part of the network too, because most people in these countries are very isolated. There is not a Bitcoin community as we already have in the U S or in Europe where you can go to meetups. So I try to, to help them to organize the first meetups in their town. And we're also sponsoring that from our funds that we get from our sponsors and the donors. So, my goal is, is to help set up an, a local infrastructure for grassroots adoption. And um, so yes, it's important to, to like basically make a little research on people. Are they uh do they have the same mindset? Are they no scammers? And are they willing and able to share their knowledge with their peers? So that's that's the important thing.
1: Do you the, the the people that let's just, let's just say right now there's a room full of people in front of you, whatever the African country may be. And not that there aren't other countries where mm. you share this information. Do they have to have access to a cell phone of some some type? What 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 tool do they have to have to make Bitcoin work for them?
0: So basically, you need uh, a smartphone and internet connection. Okay. Um, I mean, you, with Bitcoin itself, you don't need permanent internet connection. Um, but to send and, and then uh, receive Bitcoin and look it up, is it there? You need internet connection. Um, most people in the towns, because I'm mostly in town centers, like in, 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 in bigger towns, um, they do have smartphones. But uh, in general, the so-called poor people, they all have like these uh, old Nokia uh, phones where you can text. And the fascinating thing is everybody is using it, uh, using text it's co- uh, to, to, to buy things. Um, you may have heard of mobile money, uh, like M-Pesa in Kenya, for instance, or in Zimbabwe, it's a system called EcoCash. So, Everyone in Zimbabwe knows how to send money via phone. And uh, so I think it would be an easy step to leapfrog uh, all the banks and go from there and use a system like Bitcoin. Um, At the moment, of course, on the countryside and so on, you often don't have Internet uh, the power goes down. You don't have electricity. So yes, these are obstacles in using Bitcoin at the moment, but that's the same as we had it like 20, 30 years ago with the internet. It also comes from, from the centers of the world, um, where it's invented and, and then it, it grows, you know, adoption goes into these, um, countries as, as well. But I believe that Um, In general, Bitcoin adoption might be faster than in our countries in the coming years, in in these uh, African regions.
1: I want to jump to what I think is maybe something that's of great interest when when you're traveling. And you address it in your book uh, in a wonderful way. The the best way to earn Bitcoin, uh, the best way to acquire it is to earn it. So when you're visiting with people when you're traveling, is that one of the focal points that you center on in terms of earning it and for the best way to acquire it? Help help me walk through how you do that.
0: So yes, I always say earning is the best way because. Um I have to say or explain a little bit there is bitcoin bitcoin we call it also it's it's on chain if you send a bitcoin transaction usually um you start with like I mean you can you can buy bitcoin for 5 usd or something yeah that's not a problem but sometimes the transaction fees are very high and you may have heard of the problem of the, the scalability of Bitcoin. People saying not everyone can use Bitcoin because there are only 2,000 transactions per block and it's too slow and, and whatever. Uh, but now there's another technology called the Lightning Network. And with the Lightning Network, you can make um, micropayments. You can send a fraction of a US dollar cent globally for a, almost no cost. Um, in in as as fast as an email, for instance, so instantly. And um, I think that's a very important step for Bitcoin because now it's also possible that people who might only be able to save $1 a month, they can do that now with the Lightning Network and Bitcoin. So Lightning is Bitcoin. It's basically the same. I often say Bitcoin is more your savings account and Lightning is for small daily payments. And so this new technology allows for new forms of generating income. And that's important for people in Africa because they could, for instance, set up a podcast. There's something that's called uh, Podcasting 2.0. And you can now receive Bitcoin if you're a podcaster, meaning if you like like to put it that way, I have a podcast and this is um, value for value enabled, meaning people can take their smartphone, download a Bitcoin wallet like Breeze, for instance, upload, uh, put a little bit of uh, Bitcoin in it, maybe for 10 US dollars, and then they can listen to my podcast on their phone in the in this breeze podcast player and at the same time send satoshis to me satoshis are a very small fraction of a bitcoin like cents you know um and and i and they stream it basically it's like streaming money so it's a money flow to me and i can earn bitcoin through that and that's um, one of the technologies that's, which is already available, uh, people can also uh, write blogs or newsletters and get paid uh, in Bitcoin from all over the world and things like that. Or they can set up their own BTC uh, Pay server, which is a software and open soft, open source software that you can use to accept Bitcoin on your website from all over the place, everywhere and. Um, you can do it permissionless Hmm. and and it doesn't cost you anything.
1: By the way, are you going to be at Bitcoin 2023?
0: I'm not sure yet. (laughs) I'm thinking of, of going, yeah.
1: I'm asking because I got to find a way to meet you. (laughs) That that may be one of the ways to do it. Uh, Another question with regards to the volatility of of Bitcoin, well, everything's volatile right now. Yeah, but but let's let's take in in the states the average Bitcoin investor hmm. are are most of them investing because they want a return versus they're investing because they're going to use Bitcoin for transactions. If that question makes any sense.
0: That makes sense. And to be honest, I believe most people in the Western world who use Bitcoin want to use it as a store of value and speculate on the price to go up, which is absolutely okay. Um, And um, with the recent price draw, like going down, um, we're in a so-called bear market again. We see these all two, three, four years. The price is going up, is going down, is going up. Um, But in general, it went up and um, you have to have a long term perspective. And I think at the moment, people here don't see the use to spend Bitcoin. And I, to be honest, I also rather hold it here because um, I also speculate on the price going up, but I see the use case somewhere else, Mm -hmm. you know, in people being able to receive remittances from abroad because like millions of people um, have fled their countries in African nations, like they live in in the UK or in the US and they send money back home. Um, And also um, what I didn't mention until now is that in many African countries, it's not possible to easily send money from state like, like a country A to country B. You can't do that. Um, and also, I mean, the U.S. is a huge, uh, room, like economy space, but in Europe, everything is fractioned. I mean, now we have the euro. Um, but with other countries, it's also much easier to use Bitcoin, for instance. Yeah. So for instance, my international sponsors, I always ask them to pay me in Bitcoin because it's much easier, faster. And I can use it then. You asked me before, how can people in these countries also earn Bitcoin? For instance, um, some of the people in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, they, they help Bitcoin for Fairness, my nonprofit initiative, with writing articles, uh, organizing meetups and doing these things. And I, of course, pay them in Bitcoin. Hmm. I couldn't do that in euros. It would be very complicated and expensive.
1: Now, going back to kind of how we started our conversation, Anita, the world population by the end of this year is going to be about 8 billion. It won't be much longer. It'll be 9 billion. And I've heard there's 2 to 3 billion people that are, quote, unbankable. They, they don't have the resources or access to the traditional finance thrift banking systems that you do in Austria or, or me in the United States. And they may never have them because they just are in countries where that's not how it works. So what you're doing not only is critically important now, it's going to be even more important as the population continues to grow. And it's, it's not going to slow down anytime soon, frankly. So what you're doing is just really important. So that how can people help you? Where, where should people go to follow Anita, to help Anita? We'll have all of this on MikeSeminary.com. But how can people help you, Anita?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking. And um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Anita Posh. And there's a website from Bitcoin for Fairness. Um, The URL is bffbtc.org. And there we not only post the latest uh, developments like new events and these kind of things, but we also of course have a donation page. So uh, if you already have some Bitcoin and wanna send some um, Satoshi's over, then please do that there. Uh, if you don't have Bitcoin already, but wanna help too, I have a Patreon site. Um, I'm Anita Posch on Patreon. And yeah, last but not least, Buy my book and um, subscribe to my newsletter that's at anita.link slash news, because there I share articles I write and also my podcast episodes, um, the interviews with the people on the ground in Africa and other interesting uh, Bitcoins, Bitcoiners, Mm -hmm. let's say it like that.
1: And the name of the book has learned Bitcoin becoming financially sovereign. Anita Posh, P-O-S-C-H. Anita, if you had a magic wand, you could wave over the heads of everyone listening to this podcast. And additionally, everyone that is wondering about the role of Bitcoin not just today, but in the future. What's the one thing you really want them to know about the value of Bitcoin?
0: That it's our only chance at the moment to retain our freedom and privacy in this ever more digital world. And um, that there's a big difference between so-called CBDCs and Bitcoin, and also between Bitcoin and so-called altcoins. And um, I want to say to everyone, please be open-minded and don't let yourself be influenced by the stories in mainstream news about how the price goes up and down or whatever. Um, If you're interested, start learning about Bitcoin, educate yourself, ask questions, and um, because I think it's really a, a very important topic for the well-being of us of us all. Uh, that's basically, yeah, what mm-hmm. I think.
1: Anita, thanks for all you're doing. Thank you so much for taking time to join me today. I appreciate it. I, and I hope that um, we Bitcoin 2023, maybe <laughs> we can continue to communicate. Because if you're going to go there, I'm going to go. I would love to meet you.
0: Okay, I will remember. I hope I remember that. Uh, yes, I'd love to meet you too. And thank you very much for this invitation. Uh, it was really great talking to you.
1: Likewise. Have a wonderful day, Anita. Thank you.
0: You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.